Whether this has been a recent development or not, I'm not sure. But lately I've heard a lot of people who've said, I'm living my best life. I've seen a lot of posts on social media, places like Instagram, that have that tag on them, live your best life. Have you heard it? Have you said it? In fact, as I did a little bit of research, 4.7, over 4.7 million Instagram posts have been tagged with that hashtag, live your best life. And in those pictures, you scroll through, I mean, you see people, they're smiling, they're pictures of, of enjoyment, excitement. And I would imagine that if I asked any one of you who's here today, any of you watching, listening to this, if I asked you, do you want to live your best life? You'd say, yes, absolutely. So what does it take to live your best life? life. It's an appealing thought. In fact, it is such an appealing thought that back in 2007, which seems a long time ago, but back in 2007, there was a book written by our heretical Houstonian neighbor that sold over four million copies. And the title of that book was Live Your Best Life Now. Seven Steps to Living at Your Full Potential. So if you want to live your best life, don't buy that book. It, it's filled with a lot of, you know, positive thinking, self-help. Will yourself to be happy. Will yourself to greatness scattered with some Bible passages and, and misapplications and misunderstandings of who God is and, and how he reveals himself in his word. No, if you, if you want to live your best life, well then you, you need to die. At least a part of you. In fact, living your best life is all about idolatry and the elimination of that idolatry from your heart. Throughout this sermon series, we've been talking about the, the battle that is being waged in our hearts, the battle for who is going to sit on the throne of our hearts, and your best life comes When idols are defeated, and when Christ wins that battle, when Christ sits on the throne of your heart, the modern idols that we might allow to capture our hearts and, and direct and guide our life, they promise us their best life, but they really can't deliver. And in fact, if you were to scroll through those 4.7 million Instagram posts tagged with that hashtag, live your best life, you would see that many of them have to do with the very things that Paul encouraged the Christians in the city of Colossae, and he encourages you, and he encourages me to put to death. 
So often in our world, we think that, that living my best life, that, that has to do with things like sexual immorality. Like the very disturbing, very crass song that I accidentally discovered when I googled live your best life. They have to do with things like greed. They have to do with those selfish, evil desires that can come upon us. And Paul calls all of those things idolatry. He says if you have your mind focused on those things and if you're, you're trying to, to find those things to live your best life, well then your mind is really on earthly things. And as you think about those things, as you think about everything that we've talked about throughout this series, as we've talked about those modern day idols that we might bow down to worship, that, that we might try to serve with our lives, you think about all of them and they really only matter for right now. For this life. Your money, your wealth, your success, your influence, your social standing, your, your, even your love lives. None of that you can take with you past the day of your death. Even your relationships and, and your friendships, as much as you are in them only to satisfy something for yourself, will no longer matter when this life is over. Those are earthly things. And this life is so short. So I want to ask you today, what would your post with that hashtag, live your best life, what would it look like? Would it be focused on the earthly things? Or would it demonstrate that your mind is on the things above? Over this series, as we've taken this really deep dive into our hearts, as we've worked to talk about the, the modern idols that are there and, and maybe even have tried to expose some of the idolatry that we fall into, I pray that it's worked. I pray that you have discovered some idols of your own heart. Some of those things that you allow to sit on the throne of your heart. And I, and I pray that because I also pray that then that has led you to turn to your God and ask for his strength to defeat those idols. To throw them down. To rip them off the throne of your heart. And I know that God, he will answer that prayer. He will give you that strength. But there's something important that we have to talk about. You see, if, if you just eliminate those idols, if you just throw them down and you just remove them from the throne of your hearts, but you don't put something different, something better, or someone better in their place, then all you've done is 
create a vacuum. All you've done is create an opening for something else to come, enter into your heart and sit on that throne and become another idol that will seek to control you, will seek to enslave you. I've shared before that throughout this series, Kyle Eidelman's book, God's at War, it's been really helpful to think through some of these things. And repeatedly in that book, he makes this point over and over and over again. He says that idols cannot be defeated until they are replaced. So replace them. Replace them with something and someone who is so much better. I pray that this morning, as you think about who sits on the throne of your heart, that you would know and be filled with joy in understanding the incredible freedom and the incredible peace that Jesus gives you when he sits on the throne of your hearts. You see, it's, it's great if we can recognize and we can identify modern-day idols and, and we can be cautious because of the dangers that they give us, but don't stop there. Put Jesus on the throne. Recognize the incredible freedom and joy that you have when Christ takes your place. And that's the direction that we're given in Colossians chapter 3 where Paul writes and he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This is profound, life-changing truth. Because this means that the experience that Mary Magdalene had outside the monument to death was real and true. As Mary stood there and as she desperately sought to find her friend, her God, her Savior, Jesus, the man who had died, the the corpse that she looked for just so she could find some closure in her life, He appeared alive again. And instead of closure, he he opened up incredible opportunities for joy and happiness in the hope that he brought. He had conquered sin and death. He had defeated hell. He had waged that war and that battle and he had won. The cross was his last stand. The hill of Golgotha was where he gained victory. In his empty tomb, that resurrection, it proclaimed a life of a different kind, a different kind of power, a different kind of hope, a different level of joy. That's what Jesus and his resurrection means. And not only has Christ been raised from the dead, but by God's grace, by God's power, you also have been raised. You have been raised up above a life that merely ends in death. You have been raised up above a life that pursues worthless idols, that follows after them without hope, 
You have been raised above all of that. You have been raised to live in the joy of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So set your heart. Fill your heart with Jesus who bought you with his own blood, who redeemed you and made you his very own with Jesus who sits on the very throne of heaven. And as Jesus is seated on that throne of heaven, seat him also on the throne of your heart. The next verse delivers some more profound truth. When Paul says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you know the amazingly powerful phrase that those words allow you to say? Those words allow you to say, who cares? Who cares that you didn't get the promotion that you desperately sought after? Who cares that you don't have enough money for the boat that you really wanted to buy? Who cares that you feel alone, without friends? Who cares that you don't know if you're truly leading those that you've been called to lead well, your, your family, your, your friends, your, your church community? Who cares that you hurt and you have aches and you have pains, both physical and emotional? And right about now you're thinking, well, hold on a second here, Pastor. I do. I care. I care about all of that because that, that hurts. That's difficult. That, that's frustrating for me. And I get it. I understand that. But when you don't set your mind on those things, but you set your mind on things above, when you set your mind on Jesus, when he's seated on the throne of your hearts and, and you remember this, you remember that you died, that sometimes your best life is going to be hidden. Maybe always your best life is going to be hidden, but one day you are going to stand when Jesus comes in all of his glory and you will stand in that glory. You will bask in that glory. And as you stand in that glory, you will be elevated to the very heights of heaven. You will receive the inheritance of the riches of Christ and his kingdom. And you will not stand alone. You will stand next to thousands, millions of those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. will stand in God's own family. And as you stand there, you will no longer feel pain. You will no longer have any sorrow, but just total and complete joy. And as you stand there, you will be able to see all of those that you have impacted as you led them through this life, whether you realized it at the time or not. 
So set your mind on things above. Remember, even in your struggles, even in your challenges, remember that you can celebrate the joy and the vibrancy of the gospel. See, living your best life, it isn't about being successful or powerful or even happy. Living your best life is about understanding the gospel, the good news that God has delivered to you. When you think about that good news, there's two points that the Apostle Paul shares with us. Two encouragements that he gives us. He says for us to allow Christ's peace to rule in our hearts. And he tells us to allow Christ's message to dwell among us. You see, God's beautiful gospel, it redefines success and power and happiness. It redefines it by God's peace. Paul wrote, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. You've been made at peace with God for all eternity. Let that peace fill your hearts. Let that peace that you have rule your hearts. So that as you think about every decision, every next step, that you would judge it by the peace that God has already given you in Christ Jesus. That you would honor that peace. And you would celebrate that peace in every single thing that you do. And in order for you to be filled with that peace, in order for you to know that peace, in order for that peace to rule on your hearts, well then God, he gives you some practical steps, practical applications for how you allow that to happen as he says, let the message of Christ, the word of Christ, dwell among you richly. Let it dwell in your hearts. Do you understand that picture that's there? If somebody dwells, at your house, that means that they have a permanent place, right? You've given them their own bedroom. They got their dressers filled with their clothes and and they got stuff in the closet and and they have their decorations up on the wall. Or maybe somebody's dwelling at your house and you just gave them the couch, but they are there, right? They live there. They're not just a guest that you invite over on occasion. So also the message of Christ dwells in your heart. It is your constant companion. Fill your heart with it. Allow him to set up shop. Allow him to decorate. Allow him to move into your life. The message of Christ, it invades your life in the very best way possible because it permeates everything that you do. Everything that you think about. That's what it means to let the message dwell among you. To let that message dwell as we gather for worship. That's why I'm so excited as we think about connecting with one another. I'm so excited for our connect groups to start where groups of us, we're going to gather together in our homes during the week to talk about God's word, to grow together in fellowship with one another, to let that message of Christ 
dwell with us. Paul encourages you to sing songs. And you got a whole list, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, all kinds of songs that we can sing. Some loud, some soft. Some with drums, some with guitar, some with piano, some with ukulele. I don't know. Songs of joy. Songs of excitement. Songs that fill us with that message of Christ, with that peace of Christ. So sing. Sing joyfully. Sing loudly. Sing proudly. Let the message of Christ dwell. And be thankful. Did you notice the emphasis that Paul put on gratitude in in those last few verses? Every single one talks about being grateful. See, living your best life, it's about gratitude. It's about your thankfulness for all that God has given to you. So often when our world goes after living their best life, they want more. They, they want to be satisfied by the next thing and more of this or more of that. But living your best life in Christ recognizes what he's already given you. The incredible blessings that you have right here, right now, through Christ Jesus. So be grateful. Live your best life. Live as if you are a member of Christ's kingdom right now and you inhabit that kingdom right now because you do. Live as if Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, as if he is seated at the right hand of God and he rules all things for your good because he does. Live as if you have joy in his gospel promises of forgiveness and grace because he gave his perfect, his best lived life as the ransom price for you and all your sins. Because he did. Live your best lived life as if the peace of Christ and the message of Christ fills your heart and sits on that throne. Because it does. And as you set your mind on the things above, then you will truly live your best life. Amen.